Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term requires broadband. Further terms apply. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week I'm talking to Dan Springer, the chief executive of DocuSign, who is trying to grow DocuSign's presence in Dublin in the middle of a pandemic and seems to be doing a fairly decent job of it. I also talked to Dan about what life was like as a single dad for a few years. He took a break between tech companies to raise uh, two teenage boys um, and also how the company has responded to um, the substantial problems that uh, the eco- the economy is going to throw at it and at everyone. So this is how our conversation went. Um, Dan Springer, Chief Executive of DocuSign, thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. Now, we're going to talk about the Irish office and lots that's going on with DocuSign, but obviously with the times we're in, I've got to ask you, this is a very odd time to be expanding an office, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the growth we've seen across Europe, and of course, Dublin is our European headquarters, mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. So um, there's a lot of uh, sort of long-term secular trend behind our growth and therefore our office expansion. Uh, but at this particular moment, you're spot on. It seems odd to people when they say we're continuing uh, to grow aggressively in the region, uh, but we're onboarding significant numbers of people remotely. So, so we're hiring new people. And you still say, onboarding them, even though we don't have the office open. Oh, okay. All right. And what's that like? I mean, what is it like to hire somebody when you've never seen them? Well, we've seen them on video, I guess, for mm-hmm. most of the cases. But it's true, we haven't met some of them in person. Well, we, we all we all have a good video crowd. game. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, talking exactly. to you at the moment on exactly. Zoom. And I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have great. a... You're great on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but y- 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 does that translate into a job interview? Well, so, so here's what we found. I mean, we're just at the beginning of this, Adrian, so it's early on. Mm. What had happened recently, we had people who we had been interviewing in the office, and then the crisis hit, and we decided our growth was so strong, we still needed to bring additional people on. So we, we finished the process, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, via video, and then we've done the onboarding. Where we're introducing them to their teammates and having their manager walk them through their responsibilities. All that has been done, done remotely. We're just in about probably two weeks away from the first set of folks who we never had a chance to actually meet in person, but we saw them, we had the video conferences, we did the interviews, and we were able to extend offers. So we'll see. I, I can't tell you exactly how that's worked yet. That's mm. probably a few weeks away. I can tell you that if we continue to have the challenges uh, with being remote, which I, I do expect we will for I'm not a, a prognosticator about what's happening mm. with the world health situation but it doesn't appear to me in the next several weeks we're mm. going to see a relaxation of that no uh, mm. ireland of course just got more aggressive right in, mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. uh, week um so i do think we will end up hiring people in a few weeks time who we have never met in person i mean realistically and this is not just a docusign quest this could be for for any company if you're hiring people it's possible that the people you're hiring over video you may not actually physically see 
for months. Yeah, I that's mean, absolutely right. Um, it's a brave new world. It's a brave new world indeed. Because, for example, with my colleagues um, at work, I know them. I've been working with them for a few years. So even though I'm not seeing them every day, there still is a sense of, I suppose we have a sense of our work dynamic because some of that is established with, with physical presence. Um, I'm just fascinated how a new working relationship starts when, I, I suppose, just the, the, the way that it, 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 it evolves and, and it blossoms, it's, it's probably just different. Yeah, I don't know that it's better or worse. It's definitely mm. different. I can tell you for the people who are trying to maintain our relationships, we are doing things like having virtual happy hours where a team will get together at five o'clock and say, let's not talk about work. Everyone grabs himself a beer or a oh, wow. beverage of choice. And is that over and Zoom? And they get or? on Zoom. Oh, yeah, wow. get on Zoom and they have a room, right? And they just chat like we're chatting. I did one uh, yesterday with a team that was our East Coast sales team. They asked me to join them. That's uh, fun. For, uh, for having and it was great. And it was a good way. But you're right. That's people. Most of them I'd already met yeah. and, and already had some relationship with. So it's going to be different when we um, uh, don't have that history. I, I mean, I promise I will get more to the core uh, business of DocuFind in yeah. one second. But it just, you have that, I have that image in my head now there of 20, 30 people having a virtual drink session. Let's say some of them you don't know. Got to be all sorts of interesting kind of interpersonal things going on in the background in your head when you're, when you're seeing people like that. Like if you're single, for example... I mean, you know, at the best of times, in or at the most neutral of times in an office, there might be kind of things going on there. But it's going to be a whole different thing. Um, yeah, I, I promise yeah, I'm not right. leading you down a conversation <laughs> of dating. But um, I, let's talk a little bit about um, about DocuSign itself. So the e-signature, I've been using e-electronic signatures for a while. I don't always use DocuSign, though, because I'm, I'm a casual user. So I will dip in and out. And there are a lot of services out there that will give you um, that will let you have a quick hit for free if you're only doing it you know, once a month, once every two months. Mm-hmm. But you say that half of the transactions on the platform um, with these signatures are completed in less than 15 minutes at 80% in one day compared to paper-based uh, signatures, which sometimes can have a turnaround of nine days. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. that's some saving. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a powerful time savings for sure. And we see that both with big companies mm-hmm. as well as, as you said, individuals and some small businesses. And remember, what's interesting about DocuSign, the largest corporations in the world use us, but also small businesses, mom and pops use us. And so we see that time savings uh, working for both small companies and big companies. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the great parts about it, as you said, for users, for folks that we maybe don't have a business relationship with where they're paying us, but they're just leveraging the technology to sign agreements – uh, in the Corey signature business, for those folks, uh, they have an amazing efficiency where they used to have to go into an office or meet someone or have what's called signing ceremonies. As you said, it's, it's a wonderful improvement in the consumer experience to just be able to sign. We say DocuSign and go. Mm. I mean, it, it's always been uh, a wonder to me how many companies will ask you still to this day, and I, I'm a journalist, so I will often have to sign things like NDAs for advanced review products, and the more savvy companies will either make it easy for you with a digital signature or some of them will even just say, look, if, if you return this email and say that you agree to the terms, we'll accept that. But so many yes. of them, so many of them will ask you to print out the document, wet ink, sign it and, and scan it back in as a PDF. It's infuriating. Yeah, I still get that. 
I still do that once in a while. And of course, I always tell people, you know, there's a product that does just what you <laughs> described. It's called DocuSign. <laughs> and then I'll uh, tell them we can do it. But, I, but it, it gets to your point, gets to the point about the growth in this market. And, yeah. you know, we're by far the largest player in the space. We're six or seven times uh, the business EchoSign that Adobe bought. Mm. Um, and yet, and even though we're six or seven times their size and, and by far the largest player in the space, we think this is very early days in this business because there are still lots of people doing what you described that haven't yet sort of moved forward to the uh, electronic signature place. And it's the same thing, not just in signature, but the overall DocuSign agreement cloud, right? All the things we're doing to go beyond these signature to help people prepare agreements, sign them, act on them, and then manage all those agreements. That is also very early stage. So we're excited from a standpoint. It's a big growth opportunity. Yeah, and I'm going to um, ask you a little bit uh, in a minute about uh, a company that you inquired that uh, called Seal, so, uh, Seal, which uh, will help you to do that. But in the current climate, you might imagine that with more people working from home and more remote working, that this would disproportionately help companies like DocuSign. But I've seen you say that you don't necessarily think that that's the case, or you haven't seen a particular surge. Well, let me tell you what we've seen. First off, you know, anytime we get into this topic, of course, we we feel compelled to mention that you know this is a tragedy, right? This pandemic is something that there's no good <laughs> coming out of this pandemic, mm. and most of our focus is around trying to make sure our employees are safe, customers are well taken care of, as you would expect. Um, but when it comes to our business, I think there's sort of two impacts that we we foresee. One is I think there will be a negative economic cycle for sure, and that will affect all companies, including DocuSign. And if a CFO or a CIO says we're going to stop all projects or stop all, they'll even stop a DocuSign project that usually has an incredibly high return on investment because they just sort of you know shoot first, ask questions later. So we expect that there will be some impact for for us. We also believe that some businesses might not survive. So there might be some mm. of our customers that, that it's that they're so focused on something that's impacted by this, like the hospitality and travel, as an example. Some of them might not be able to survive. So those are the, the clear negatives we foresee. On the flip side, you're absolutely right. People have talked a lot about this idea that as more people work from home, as more people want to do remote transactions, as more companies just say, I want to drive the digital transformation that makes sense anyway. Will it get accelerated because of you know the coronavirus? And I, I think the answer is yes. We do see that. We do see people coming to us, governments, banks, um, healthcare life sciences companies, saying we need to go faster with DocuSign. Um, and so at this point, yeah, we see there's some benefits that are coming to our business from that uh, as well. At this point, we've sort of come to the rough conclusion that they're probably about equal, Adrian. And so oh. our, our, our uh, view is that our business will be about the same as it would have been. Um, and that's kind of where we are today. But it's kind of so early uh, in the process. Uh, that's what we're seeing so far. And yet this will pass. This pandemic will pass. I mean, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, whatever the time period will be. But surely this time for companies and businesses in reassessing how they do things, that's only going to help a company like yours. I mean, we're talking on Zoom at the moment. Now, Zoom is one of the breakout apps and services of this zeitgeist, of this era. I, there are people who are using Zoom, uh, who are doing yoga classes over Zoom. My wife is doing a book club this Friday yeah. night over Zoom. And she, she wouldn't <laughs> yep. have known what Zoom was um, um, a couple of weeks ago. I, I would have barely used it uh, uh, myself. Um, and so DocuSign maybe in this space where when this passes, this acceleration of digital processes, um, I mean, that's got to help you, surely, when this is over. 
I think that's absolutely right. In fact, I was having a dinner a couple of weeks ago, just at the very beginning of this, before we were social distancing with uh, Eric. Eric Juan is the CEO of Zoom. And he was saying, boy, I keep, people keep talking to me about your business. And I said, yep, people keep talking to me. And, and we're both customers of each other's business and, and partners. He's a great guy. And uh, we believe you're right, that the digital transformation that's happening, that's getting accelerated by something like uh, you know, this horrible pandemic, will have a lasting impact. When Once people see how things are so effective, they're not going to flip back. They're going to say, this is just a better way to do business. And I'll give you one other quick example. We use, have a big customer event every year and we bring together people. First, we do it in the US and San Francisco, and then we bring it to other cities. And uh, we plan to be in Europe, if, again, depending on what happens in the pandemic, uh, in June. And with the San Francisco event was in March and we had to turn it into a virtual event. And initially we thought this is going to be terrible. The value of having all the customers together, you know, in one place. What we found is five times as many people came when we made it virtual because they didn't have to do the travel. And we found that the event was very strong in terms of generating interest and leads for people wanting to do it more with DocuSign. So we've actually started to rethink the whole concept of our conferences wow. uh, by being forced into this place. I think other businesses are going to see the same things with DocuSign and go, wow, what more can I do and how can that accelerate the business? I mean, that's a really interesting point about conferencing because my understanding about many of the big conferences that happen, and I go to a few of them during the year, is that a lot of executives tell me that, yeah, yeah, the, the keynotes are fine, but what they're actually there really is for the meetings, the side meetings that they have. Sometimes they barely even set foot in the conference center itself. They just have meetings lined up around the event. But the sense I always get is that a lot of that is based on physical presence. But you're saying that... That, that the feedback that you got was that a lot of that was able to be done virtually? Yeah, and I think that I think you hit the nail on the head when you separate the two pieces. The piece that I think worked really well for the conference was our ability to show our customers our technology and our products, and that was very positively received. But you are spot on about something that's missing. And I'll give you just an example. Uh, uh, last year, I went to the World Economic Forum because we announced DocuSign for Forest with um, Jane Goodall. And walking around, seeing so many of my customers, I had, you know, because all the CEOs of the top banks and insurance companies, all, many of them go to, to Davos for the World Economic Forum. And I ended up having a bunch of meetings that might only be 10 minutes or 15 minutes, but that was a meeting that now obviated the need for me to go to New York or go to London to see, you know, some of those executives. So I found it to be very efficient. And I think that those things are hard to capture, you know, in, in a virtual place. You could have phone calls with those individuals, of course, but the efficiency of seeing so many people so quickly, that's that's very valuable. And like you said, when we were talking about hiring people, there is a value with in-person interactions that are different mm. uh, than virtual ones. So I don't think it means there won't be any conferences. I just think we're going to rethink how we do our various events and what we try to accomplish virtually and what we try to accomplish in person. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Um uh, DocuSign itself, now you've uh, you, you just announced figures. You had a very good quarter then the last year. Um, you, you're looking at an annual run rate now of over a billion dollars. Very relatively few software as a service companies uh, get to that level. Um, I think you've got almost 600,000 uh, customers now and you're looking at profitability toward uh, the end of the year. Um just to come back again to the, the, the current era, an awful lot of software as a service companies are tempted to offer f free or discounted um, offerings, services, as a kind of a, a solidarity thing. Um, some do, lots don't. 
I'm just wondering, from from your point of view, not not DocuSign particularly, but from the position that you're you're in uh, in that kind of a company, is there a risk to doing that? Or I mean, because I sometimes like we were asked, for example, as journalists, we have a paywall up on our site for about half mm-hmm. of, half of our stories, and. A lot of people came at me and said, well, would you not lift the paywall during this particular uh, crisis? To which my response was, look, all of the public service stuff, the real that you really need to know in terms of urgent information on where to go, what to do, all that's actually free. It's not in the paywall. But if you ask to lift the paywall for the other stuff, the analysis and the columns, um, that's not there as a luxury. That's kind of bread and butter that keeps the thing from folding, you know, from, that keeps the yep. thing alive. And I, I wonder Your is core it, business model. Yeah. Right, right, right. So I'm wondering, is it the same for, you know, for a software company? Is it that, um, because like right now, I mean, are you guys getting those kind of requests? Oh, could you not sort of, you know, discount something or could you not waive fees for this or for that? Or, or, or is that even a thing? Yeah. No, it is a thing, and it's. A, and I think actually our industries in this way are kind of similar because your business has something similar to ours. It's a high gross margin and an incremental basis. You know that one more person. Mm. Of course, it's highly profitable uh, for your business because information business, same as ours, is a software business. But here, here's what we've sort of done, and here's what we've seen. Um, traditionally, software companies and so will media companies might offer people a 30 day trial to say, if you want to try, uh, you know, our product and mm. see what it's like. Uh, we're, we're excited to do that so you have an opportunity to see the value. Um, and we do that from time to time uh, as well, particularly for small businesses. But in this situation, we also realized there were a lot of people who were in uh, businesses that needed to get online because they had now people remote. And we wanted to make it easy and frictionless. And so, um, for instance, realtors, we have some partnership with the National Association of Realtors in the U.S. And they came to us and said, hey, this, this industry struggling a little bit. Could you create a program for people where they'd have a lower cost way or a free trial way? We created some 90-day uh, trials for people. We've also done that with government agencies that are really trying to you know, serve the, the, the populace. Uh, and we've done that as well and given them uh, free 90-day trials. But, but the way we look at that is, one, we want to support people you know, in, a, in a time of struggle, particularly while this crisis is happening. But I'll also be clear, we look at it and say, it's good for us, for the world to see what DocuSign can do. And then they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends. And most people will say, post this period, they'll, they'll say, we, we actually would like to use DocuSign. Mm. So I also think there's a benefit to getting, just like if you have an opportunity to potentially consider giving people free access to some of your premium content, some of them over time are going to say, hey, Adrian, you write pretty well. Uh, I'd like to read your articles all the time. And there may be a long-term business in that. So that's sort of how we're thinking at this point. is We want to focus on supporting customers uh, uh, and agencies and governments that have a need right now where we can be helpful to the solution. Mm. If it has a positive you know, business building thing in the future, that's great too. But let's focus on supporting the people that are asking for our help. Now, I mentioned... Um uh, seal, um, uh, sorry, Csoft, yes. Seal, yeah, software, um, a while ago. And I'm kind of fascinated by this idea. So this is a company that you acquired, I think it was only about a month ago. And yep. essentially that puts you into a different space in terms of what DocuSign can do with the agreement process. I mean, the, you can automate a massive amount, to, uh, uh, amount of it. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but what I picked up from that was that you could integrate all of a firm's, or an awful lot of a firm's, uh, uh, of a company's agreements and contracts. You might have a letter which involves uh, one particular department, for example, um, that could be integrated with human resources. Um, 
where are we headed like, what, in, in that sense? What will you be able to do? Yeah, I think there's two big things that are exciting about SEAL and in general about sort of artificial intelligence. And, you know, sometimes I'm always sensitive that in Silicon Valley particularly, but you see the same thing in the centers around the world. And you see it, Dublin's become, you know, a tech center, of course, that people use terms like machine learning and artificial intelligence in not very thoughtful ways, just because they're kind of buzzwords. But but what we see about SEAL and, and sort of advanced analytics for agreements and artificial intelligence is two big things. One is there's just product uses where people say things like, I need to look across all of my agreements to find something. I mean, we call it intelligent search. Mm-hmm. I need to find all the agreements I've done that maybe are linked to the price of oil. Or because I need to understand what my risk is. Price of oil has come way down, as, as we all know. So what, what does that mean? What agreements do I have that might be connected to that? Let's say I'm a chemicals company. I probably have lots of agreements. Now, how do I go find them all in an efficient way versus having a bunch of attorneys run around searching all my agreements? That's just a great example where the computer, that artificial intelligence, can find things like that. And it might be they don't look under just the word price of oil, but maybe they say energy prices or there's some other term that's used and the artificial intelligence can sort of seek that out for you. That's a great example. The second big area for us is all of the agreement processes that we do with the DocuSign Agreement Cloud, they can get better and smarter and more intelligent. And a specific example that we just uh, actually showcased at that virtual conference I was describing because it had mm. to be virtual was this idea of um, when people use a signature on a form, someone uploads a form, they have to tag it, right? They have to say, I want the name to go here for the, the person like you that's going to sign it, the date to go here. We realized we've processed so many agreements, we probably could guess just by looking at an agreement what each of those terms are. And so now we do an auto tag. So you have this wonderful experience as a, as a user of DocuSign where you upload an agreement that could have hundreds of places for information and it automatically tags what type of information goes in each one. And then you can review it and make sure it's all correct. But starting off, it's all done for you. So that's just an example. We're making our core e-signature business better with artificial intelligence. And that's how we like to think about it. Not the technology for technology's sake, but how can it bring more value to our users? Well, uh, not just technology for technology's sake, but also there's going to be a lot of lawyers and middle managers, Dilbert-style uh, people who are not going to be happy about that. It, it never <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me how much form-filling some parts of uh, uh, some businesses have. I remember when I was buying, the first time uh, I bought, when we bought our home, it was an apartment. It was in an apartment block and there were, I think, 72 apartments, and it was the exact same title for the land, for everything legally. And yet, it was the same solicitor, same lawyer who dealt with probably half of the apartment sales, but the lawyer still managed to charge the full free for individual original right. uh, title deed searches, <laughs> you know. Um, yep, same search, yep. Anyway, anyway. And that's something we hope to automate. That's something we hope to automate, and to your point, some people might look at that and say, wow, that's my current livelihood or that's my approach. Mm-hmm. We hope with the technology we can get people to say there's higher value uses for their education and their training and their skills. Let's automate this piece that doesn't need to use a highly skilled individual and free them up you know, for the more strategic and interesting. But, but there are transformations, as you said, we go through where there's resistance mm-hmm. and people uh, get used to doing things a certain way. We hope we can make that better. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to f- finish up in a minute by asking you about the Irish office and how are you getting on here? But I also want to ask you just about yourself. Um, one thing I, I didn't know about you that uh, when I was re- researching, um, you took some time out to be a, a stay-at-home dad uh, for a couple of years to, to your two sons. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, my last company is a company called Responsys. It was a public software company, and we sold it 
to Oracle. And I had uh, two boys, one in middle school, one in high school. And I realized it was just a great last opportunity before they went off to university uh, to, to spend some great time together, to make it to every soccer match and just sort of be there for dinner every night. So I ended up, I did some work. I didn't completely do it. I joined some boards. I did a little, but I was, I was a nine to fiver and I was, you know, breakfast every morning with my kids, dinner every night. It was the best three years I think I, I really had in my life. It was, it was awesome. I would highly recommend if anyone ever gets that opportunity. And the last thing I'd say about it is it totally made me, a, when I came back to work at DocuSign, I think it made me a better CEO because it made me appreciate uh, some of the balanced things that other people have to deal with and struggle. And, you know, I grew up with a single mom and, and it's a different situation a lot of people have. It's one of the reasons that DocuSign, we put in some, we put in place something that might be more common in Europe, but not in the U.S., which is a six-month leave policy for everyone uh, when they have a, have a child, adopt a child or, or, or have a baby. And um, those are kinds of things that I wouldn't have been as sensitive to before. So it was, a, it was a fantastic experience to have. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes I think in our culture, and Ireland wouldn't be that far away from uh, the US, in, from the cultural response. Yes, we do have good supports, generally speaking. I think slightly better in Europe than in the US. But culturally, when you hear of a man taking time off to spend time uh, mm-hmm. with his kids it, it, it's still quite unusual I mean it's it's still quite an unusual thing I, yeah. I how, how did you find that I mean was there any was it kind of an interesting was there an interesting vibe professionally or, or was there any interesting response yeah. to that well two, two quick thoughts for you one is look I was very fortunate and the timing was I just had sort of achieved um a very high professional achievement. And I got a very high valuation. We sold our company and everyone was telling me, Dan, you did a 10 year run at this company. You turned it around. So I felt pretty self-assured about that. I didn't have sort of an ego issue at that point where I was in my career. Um, but I will tell you the vast majority of people I talk to have the same, even in the United States have the same reaction you had is like, Ooh, are you okay? Or <laughs> why is it, why is a man doing that? And yeah. I'll tell you, I've gotten, I don't think I'm quite able to say I'm, I'm a feminist, but I'll tell you this, I became more of a feminist going through this experience of saying, why do people expect a woman to make that a priority and not expect a man? It's just a mistake. It's a mistake we have culturally. And I really, I, since you got listeners out there, I hope they all think about it and say, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really no different. If, why, why wouldn't a man want to spend time with his kids? And why should we think that a woman should do it and not a man? I think in the next generation, our young people, Adrian, they're going to be better and smarter than we are about this. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a more evolved sense that says men or women are both parents and we should look at it the same way. But I, but I admit, to be really clear about it, 20 years earlier in my life when the kids were born, I probably wasn't at a place where I would have had the confidence to have people look at me and say, wow, you're stepping off the career. Do you feel like a yeah. failure? It would have been hard for me. But I think we need to be realized it's the same thing for women. And yeah. so we have to be careful not to do that to women uh, uh, just because uh, they haven't had that historical uh, you know, position. One of my best friends did the same thing. It, slightly different circumstances. Didn't sell a highly successful company to Oracle, but, um, uh, <laughs> it, but had a, kind of a career break, but ended up being the main carer uh, and the main parent for uh, – their son, their young son, while his wife went out to work. And it, it led to kind of just very interesting things. Like, for example, he would do the school run in the morning and the school parents, mostly mums, would become friendly. And once or twice a year, they would have like a dinner out together. So he did, he would end up going out with like 11 women oh, right. to a restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think he would yeah. share your, your sense of newfound uh, appreciation 
for some of the challenges. Yeah, I got competitive. I got competitive with some of the other moms because, to your point, when they're doing school things, most mm-hmm. still in our society of the of the other parents involved, there were were the mothers, uh, and I got competitive about saying I can be just as good as the mother. So I found myself on the other side where they say, and most of the time, I wasn't as good to be honest because <laughs> I hadn't had those years of experience that they had had. Uh, in terms of the ones that weren't working, uh, you know, outside of the home. Um, and I wasn't as good of a mom, but I tried really hard to catch up. Uh, I'm not sure I ever made it. I'm pretty sure I didn't. But I was a little bit competitive about trying to say I could be as good of a mom as the moms. And That's uh, funny. Yeah. Uh, it's, we, yeah, it's funny. We're all on different sides of different challenges. Yeah, yeah. Um, t- to the Irish office then, DocuSign, uh, you yes. are expected to hire about 100 people here in the next year. You know, which is yeah, not I think, bad. I think it'll be a little more than that. I think it'll be actually a little more than that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that puts the company in quite a strong growth position here in Dublin. I mean, I have to ask you, how are you finding business in Dublin? Why are you expanding here? So a couple things. One is, I mean, by the way, we're not alone. I mean, the tech base globally has, has really realized that Dublin is the optimal spot in Europe for a European headquarters. It used to be, uh, you know, London was a place. Amsterdam had some, not as much on the tech space. Uh, but Dublin is is really where most of the tech leaders are now going, and that's why the business has just become a you know a, a boomtown uh, in the tech space. And the primary reasons we see it is it's incredible access to talent, uh, and you see the phenomenon that the youth in Europe are coming to Dublin. And so you can hire people that are culturally and language proficient in French, in German, in Spanish, Italian. And so we can build an entire European, you know, sort of operation that really is pan-European in Dublin. Hmm. And so there's a lot of efficiency and effectiveness to having them all together. So that's the reason that we're making, you know, Dublin our our focus. And over time, in, in addition to sort of sales resources and marketing resources, we're seeing increasingly technical resources, engineering jobs. We want to bring the whole uh, focus. And so the same way we have in San Francisco and Seattle are kind of our co-headquarters in the U.S., we think Dublin will, will be the big growth area and headquarters for us uh, across Europe. I mean, one of the interesting at elements of that is locally i mean the, you know reception and you know chatter and discussion is always different local to, to, to internationally and locally here in dublin and in ireland there's often a, a narrative that big companies come here for tax reasons now i've put that to many other ceos in over the years and some of them it's you know when you're dealing with a tim cook figure or so uh, yeah. someone else like that that's a harder one for them to rebut because multi-billion dollars and they do achieve significant tax efficiencies through uh th- you know th- through the way they organize their finances abroad but there are other companies like DocuSign that I've spoken to who haven't even yet turned a profit so the idea that they were coming to cut their tax bill wasn't really a thing because they weren't actually making a profit yet I, I, I yeah I, so you're spot on. I'll just give you one example. Actually, last year we were looking at moving the way people fundamentally do what you're describing is they mm. what's called move their IP. So mm. if you transfer the, the intellectual property, which where as a software company we derive our profitability, if you transfer that to your entity in Dublin, then you can say those profits that come from that are you know domiciled there, mm. and then you have the, a lower tax rate than you would in another European you know entity for sure. But in our situation, we actually looked at it last year. And at our size and our scale and our profitability, it wasn't worth the accounting cost <laughs> to move the IP to right. Dublin or to Ireland, I should say. Mm. Uh, and so we didn't. 
some year in the future it may get there mm. but but you are spot on when you say i don't care if there was zero change in any tax implications mm. we want to serve our customers and we want to build the best workforce we can build in europe and we believe the best way to do that is to focus on dublin and whatever might happen in the future uh, on tax side we're going to be in Dublin. It's a really interesting perspective. Dan, thanks a million for uh, coming on the uh, the podcast today. And the yeah, great best, to connect. The very best to look uh, in the future. Cheers. And that was Dan Springer, the Chief Executive of DocuSign, talking to me a little bit earlier. That's all we have time for, folks, today. Please do stay tuned for our podcasts. Uh, we're with you every week. We're not taking a break during this whole pandemic. For me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Bye-bye for now. 